0: welcome to Sonic Talk, episode five hundred and forty-eight. Uh, recorded today, Wednesday, the fifth of September. I guess we're getting towards the end of the summer, though it hasn't quite felt like it. I'm not wearing shorts anymore, but I know a man who is. But we'll get onto that in a little bit. In a little bit of time, uh, Sonic Talk is the podcast to do with music technology, anything to do with synthesizers, software, uh, even DJ stuff, iOS. Um, uh, controllers, live production, studio work, all of those things are encompassed in this. And uh, we thank uh, Isotope, who will be providing a prize a little bit later on. You can win a copy of their excellent Vocal Synth, Vocal Processing Suite, Vocal Synth 2, in fact. That will happen about halfway through the show, so do check that out. I want to say hello to our YouTube chatties. Hello, YouTube chatties. And also to our friends in the IRC chat. We've got two. I did actually look into, uh, um, what was it called? Discord but I couldn't find a way to embed it properly in the site. So it would have to be in a different window. So until I can find that out, it looks quite good. So thanks for those who suggested it, but I still need to work out some things. So for now, we're going to stick with the IRC and the YouTube stuff. So um, once again, uh, we have a full quota of guests. Uh, I'm going to start with uh, Mr. Matthew Hodson, who's there in his uh, studio uh, in Brighton, where he's also uh, a right. course director. Is it course director of uh, BIMS? Course,
1: course leader. Uh, Yeah, so I I run the music production course, yeah, at BIM in Brighton, the British and Irish Modern Music Institute. And uh, yeah, we've been there today, actually signing off a load of student work. That's just finished for the previous academic year, um, which is always great. One of the best things about the job, actually, is actually hearing what the students finish and do as their final output on the way out of the course, basically. And, um, you know, we was all sat around today listening to stuff, just actually just thinking how great this is and um we had some great meetings as well with um I can't say too much but with some record labels about what we can actually do with this music in a more meaningful way um rather than it just kind of just disappearing once they finish at the college so it's been re- really great um great day today great afternoon
0: oh that sounds really good yeah i imagine it's very positive because i mean a lot of yeah. a, a lot of new ta- young talent is outstandingly good and you just think oh how on earth did they get
1: oh, that good absolutely. at that age <laughs> yeah I mean a lot of them they come on the course and they're already motoring that you know they're putting out so much on YouTube and Bandcamp and SoundCloud and things like that that um you know that the quality when they're coming in is so great and, and then the, the, the course that I run essentially is about developing them as a freelancer so they can exist in this current music production world um As we all know, you have to put your hat yeah. on many different things at many That's different times. That's true. Time. So it's just getting getting them prepared for that, really.
0: Well, good. That sounds like a very positive day. Well, thanks for joining yeah, us, uh, Matthew.
1: Uh, I wish I well, was where Steve was, though.
0: Yeah, well, I was gonna, I was gonna make that the the okay. the, the last right. reveal, just so that if uh, those who maybe have just tuned in or you're just seeing the final edited version. Uh, Hello, Gaz Williams, uh, gazwilliams.me, uh, bass player, a music technologist, producer, mastering engineer, all of those kind of things. How are you, Gaz?
2: Yeah, well, I was thinking about those students, they might superficially be making good music, but it's no real kind of lived in sort of weary <laughs> kind of yeah. blood pouring out of the eyes kind of thing going on there is it it's all kind of it's all technique and twiddly uh, yeah. blooming youngsters in your dreams. what do they know
0: They <laughs> <laughs> haven't done the hours in the van gas maybe yet yeah though.
2: yeah god well, that's to um, come no only joking uh, <laughs> <laughs> um but i mean isn't it i mean gosh some of the youngsters i've been you know working with i, I mean i god, this 14 year old was showing me some stuff he was doing and that and that was amazing you know like really really good and he was playing all the instruments himself and I was just like oh just how good are they gonna get um so yes uh it's definitely uh an intriguing prospect I mean you know I was thinking about this as well just sort of um whatever you want to learn there is just uh, well actually my mum is just learning the ukulele and it's the first instrument she's ever picked up and she's having so much fun with it and she's uh, she's got oh, there's just so many lessons on youtube and she's um she's obsessed with it And she's making really good progress with it um largely to do with the fact that there's just such a lot of and you can just pick it yeah and you can pick
0: it up anytime you like uh, i suppose as
2: well yeah yeah so i mean yeah it's interesting um but i think this is something that we've talked about in 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 previous um sonic talks so it's sort of like um what is it all going to lead to what is, you know what is where is it going when is the new incredible music that's going to come out that's a, you know a culmination of everything and uh I, actually i've been hearing little bits of it and certain people ah, you know just like the more different influences and different techniques and everything can all be mushed up together that's where the new stuff comes from so uh, I'm very interested. If anyone can point me in the right direction, though, to listen to brand new musical ideas, so it's um, it, um it's something I'm trying to seek out at the moment. Uh, and also, what is the current standard for excellent production? You know, that's mm. that's so hit well, me with, uh, yeah. with, with Things,
0: no bassline mm. and excellent vocal production skills, as far as I could tell. But that's just pop, isn't it? <laughs>
3: yeah. Uh, and
0: so, no hi-hats either. No hi-hats either. That said Steve Hillier in his uh, retreat down in Spain there. And we were just commenting before we started the show how amazing a webcam can look when it's given the right amount of light. So uh, Steve Hillier, of course, uh, DJ, producer, songwriter... Uh, do you do education stuff as well? I think you do, don't you? Uh,
3: yeah, I, I work at uh, BIM uh, with Matt. Well, actually, w- working with Matt is uh, a new thing that's hopefully going to be starting in a few weeks' time. Uh, I've worked at BIM for a while, and the, the, the thing that I teach there is songwriting, which I, I prefer to put under the umbrella of creativity more than songwriting, because it, it doesn't really capture everything. But yeah, I, I, we work at the same place.
0: Wow. But, uh, it's, 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 it's all right. So I'm a bit concerned that you're going to get uh, sunburn. Uh, I mean, if yeah, you need me to dash me too, off, and get, if you need to get, if you need to dash off and get a hat or move an umbrella, you know that's fine. Just, just let us know. I, I think
3: can... I might do that. <laughs> I think that the billions and billions of photons that are coming for this start and making the webcam look good. are also going to give you severe exposure. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: lovely to so, um, have I, you though? <laughs> but it's great to be. Here. Hopefully, you won't be too cooked by the time we uh, by the time we finish the show. Anyway, um, a, a couple of things. Uh, first. First of all I wanted to say um, Nob- NobCon is next weekend and we are uh, a friend of ours Jim Hayward who runs the excellent synth memes Facebook group is going over and is going to do some filming stuff and we'll also be running a live blog he'll be posting some stuff to it but if you're going and you see anything and you want to post anything to Instagram um, may I suggest that you post uh, using the ha- the hashtag SS knobcon18 because then we can pick it up and we might well include it in the live stream for the uh, live blog I just wanted to post that out there so coverage will be coming over at the weekend so uh, i hope uh, uh, so we couldn't have made it in person but uh, like i say jim's going to be there if you see jim say hi he's the one who looks quite a lot like tom cruise as i keep telling him although nobody else seems to see it apart from me maybe i've just got some kind of fixation anyway um right let's get on to some uh, some interesting stuff first of all right this hi. is uh
2: latest if you're listening to this in mono it's just noise stereo, <coughs> this is from loop it's a cool effect
0: but it's quad, he explores you're
3: in the middle of a
2: storm
0: the idea of quadraphonic sound, in various different ways. And
3: if that's what spatial modulation can do to noise, imagine what it can do to the rest of your music. Now, YouTube is stereo, but... one, so you probably won't get what the fuss is about by listening to this. But if you create music, you've got to try listening to or creating music with spatial motion, preferably quadraphonic.
0: It's a lovely piece, actually, that opening thing. It's got a lovely atmosphere. But this was a a piece by Luke Pop who contacted us and said, oh, you know, you should try it. And I I don't have a quad system here, but uh, he goes through a number of different methods. Uh, One is within the DAW. uh, The other one is in – let me see. I would listed them here – One is in the DAW, one's in Eurorack, one is using VCV Rack, which, as we know, is a a sort of free environment. And the one uh, he talks about the idea of maybe creating some VCV patches. And as we've talked about before, maybe putting them on a Raspberry Pi. So it's a kind of dedicated uh, spatial panning system. Obviously, you need a sound card and stuff on it, and the patch would just be running, and you would kind of. It would be headless apart from some uh, MIDI controllers. But I wondered, you know, this brings up an interesting question. Quadraphonic sound has been. It's been in and out, hasn't it? I mean, you know, as of many other spatial sounds, and and we we've, we're starting to see it more in like festival things and in live art installations and sort of experimental electronic uh, geeks. But it's been in and out of favour. I mean, it started coming in. I'm in the 60s or 70s, wasn't it? Everybody was raving about quadraphonic yeah. sound, and it just seems to be always there. But I've never really tried it, and I wonder whether any of you guys had uh, experimented with quad. I suppose it's different to five one, or quite similar to five one. Maybe I'll start with you guys because I know you, you do mastering stuff. So, I mean, you know, do you ever get asked to do things either five, you know, five one, or, or more importantly, quadraphonic stuff?
2: Um, very, very rarely, if ever, I'm thinking. That. Um, but I mean, I love, well, I've been playing around with some surroundy ideas and, uh, I've got the Waves NX headphone system here, which allows you to get have a, like a virtual, uh, surround sound for headphones. Um, I think we've talked about this before. And the thing that's really interesting about that system is that, uh, um, unlike, um, other systems that have existed in the past what's interesting with this is that it, it moves your head so you actually move your head around within a within a um a surround sound environment so you can actually go and go towards the speakers and back and forth towards the speakers and and um yeah and i'm really keen to get hold of a pair of those audis which are the headphones that uh oh you tried
0: those at kind of superfood yeah,
2: yeah they were incredible yeah really really good and that's got the waves nx built into them um uh, but I'm actually going to get. A, I'm getting another set of monitors for the back wall in my studio, so I'll be able to do a little bit more surround sound stuff. And it's something I've always been interested in. I remember having my mind blown listening to um, the quadraphonic version of Dark Side of the Moon and the um, On the Run track. Uh, the VCS3 thing. When you hear it in in quadraphonic, it's really. It just makes a lot more sense. The whole kind of mix, the way that the mixes and it, it all spins around, it sounds really cool. And that was what nineteen seventy three. So uh, it it still does feel quite on. It's still on. Not it hasn't had its day yet. It's still such a lot of effort for people to set up. I recently got hold of a gentle giant, like a Stephen Wilson. Um, gentle giant thing called uh three-piece Suite, which he revisited the first three gentle giant albums in the early 70s and uh, has done uh 5.1 uh, mixes of those and what's good about them is those albums have got some really kind of wild out there sort of proggy kind of experimental sections and those rendered in surround sound are really interesting uh uh and i think this is the thing that makes uh you know, a lot of the surround sound stuff that has come out in the past it tends to be a bit conservative it like puts like a kind of like audience or just little atmosphere in this in the in the rear rather than really strong sweeping panning effects and this loop pop video is really good for for that though i mean it really goes into lots of different um uh, applications of of that uh, i mean yes yeah, specifically with more of a, a quadraphonic focus um and loop pops videos are brilliant aren't they I yeah really he's definitely them. got a, a um, style
0: thing yeah he's, he does really good stuff
2: uh, yeah uh, but yeah i mean it is uh uh, it, it is that dilemma, though, isn't it? As interesting as it is, how many Who, people who's going <laughs> <laughs> <gonna> to hear it? Who's going to hear it? So, I mean, I know with like the Apple HomePods, you can make a stereo pair and that, but I doubt, I doubt if anything will ever come out like HomePod will ever have a AirPlay which surrounds, which you can make surround sound with. Maybe it will. Um, Some, uh, but I think that's the main problem. Is uh, well, I, I realised as well. I remember buying a surround sound system for my living room uh, um, off Gumtree. I think I paid sixty quid for it, and it was a twelve hundred quid Sony rig. And you look at—I mean, I think that maybe has passed a little bit now. But um, you know, the home cinema sort of boom of the early two thousands and all the surround sound systems people were getting—I think it's probably the most often sold thing when people move house. Yeah, so just, well, go, it, it's just to rewire <laughs> it all back in again, and it's just like, oh, just chuck it on Gumtree. But, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and therefore, I think that is the problem it's, as a fantastic and exciting and sort of um, psychedelically amusing yeah. surround sound is it just is still probably always going to be a, a minority thing, sadly. Steve,
3: am yeah. I right in
0: thinking uh, that vinyl was, was there some forms of vinyl yeah. that were done in quadraphonic? I can't wonder how that's uh, even possible. Y-
3: yeah, I, I must admit, I don't know how it, how it was done, but it, it certainly was. At least my understanding was that uh, on a consumer level, it did start with uh, vinyl. And um, this was something that occurred to me, which was that, um, you know, uh, Gaz just mentioned The Dark Side of the Moon. So one of the greatest sounded records of all time and biggest selling records. But it came uh, out in an era where the, uh, one of the objectives for your home was to have a hi-fi. And yeah. I, think, I feel that that's gone now. I don't actually know of anyone now who has a hi-fi. Um, even in my own home, I have a, an Apple HomePod and I have a selection of Bluetooth uh, speakers, but I don't have anything that has been designed to give me pristine fidelity. And I feel a bit that, at least on a consumer level, that was what uh, that was one of the selling points of quadru- uh, quadraphonic sound, in that you could have a pristine sound but coming from all around you. These days. I, I don't really know whether the market is there, or, or whether the market has actually moved on to to other considerations for audio, which would be convenience. Quite frankly, um, I, I, I wander around most days with a pair of Beats headphones on because I like to look cool. But they're, um, they're <laughs> you know, uh, but they're connected to my phone via Bluetooth, and I've got Spotify, and I, essentially, I have everything that I want from music in that package, and I'm an old man. I know, you know, uh, my uh, uh, younger people in my family, they're not even bothered about getting uh, decent sounding headphones. They'll listen to music on their phones and be quite happy with it. Having said all of that, on the video, the, um, the f- uh, results that the presenter was getting did sound really good. And it reminded me of various uh, events that I've been to where there is quadraphonic sound i went to see a, a warp uh gig it was uh, well over a decade ago now uh they had all the big warp guys but not boards of candor uh doing their thing in quadraphonic sound or surround sound and it sounded incredible so i'm thinking this uh multi-channel audio it's for events it's not for yeah. personal consumption yeah so if you're at a club brilliant if you're at a festival brilliant if you're at a in a amphitheater or, or similar that's that's designed for pristine sound that's great um for those of us who are making i suppose more um modest music i don't know i i, I don't think i've got the time
0: yeah i take your point i know i, I matt i don't know whether or not yeah. you know you put you put on events and stuff i mean is it something that's part of explored as part of what you do uh professionally in terms of the education side of thing or is it something you've tried uh, artistically for your own stuff or yeah, experienced um,
1: yeah a bit of experience in this so I mean, when I studied for my MA, I was doing a lot of stuff in 5.1. These were typically choir recordings. Anything where you was trying to translate space into another space, essentially. And big cathedrals and churches with vocals going on, obviously, are fantastic. If you if you can record that in multi-channel audio and pump that out into your living room, sounds great. So that that was kind of like the beginning for me. And then I started... I started, yeah, I started mixing stuff in five point one, not necessarily quad, um, more five point one, and I and since then I've I've not really, uh, you know, going back to like what Steve's saying, I've not really done much with this because I, it's never really felt like it's for the consumer at home and for the consumer who's walking from a train station to a train station and with their headphones on. It's more um, for an event. Um, it's more for cinema and TV. Um, I love that. I love going to the cinema just, you know, sometimes just for decent sound and just yeah. be totally in the middle of all of that. That's that's a biggie for me. Um, concerts can be a little bit hit and miss, depending on what they are.
0: And where um, you're standing, I suppose.
1: Yeah, and absolutely where you're standing. There's Particularly with 5.1, there's quite a narrow field as to where you're really going to get that, full perception that you're trying to get across in 5.1 um i was lucky enough to see um morton Subotnick play live with his modular um at the um at the funk house in berlin at one of the loop concerts and that was just phenomenal and i was bang in the middle of the room and it, it was very immersive sounds flying around your head that was very very enjoyable I've seen rock bands who have tried to do stuff in quad and it didn't it didn't really work for me. It was just kind of like more guitars in the back behind you as well as in front of you. So it's it's really gotta be like going back to what I was originally saying, translating a space into another space. Right. I think that's when it works. And and that crossover from electronic music, the sobotnik gig, you know, where you've just got pure electronic instrumentation. Well, the sound, the, is, yeah, the sound off the stage,
0: yeah, the sound off the stage isn't kind of polluting the the imaging of it, I suppose.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: I was wondering why aren't there over ear closed ear headphones? Because you imagine if you have got a pair of headphones that are closed ear, you could actually mount speakers rear, uh, 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 you know, over the ear that are slightly forward and slightly backward. Surely you could make quadraphonic headphones that would work like it's that. <laughs> <doesn't... laughs> Actually, Nick, Sorry. I
3: have a, I have a, I have. Um, this is guesswork, but I, I suspect there is a reason for this. Um, what I think it is is that the, our perception of space around us um, it, uh, is dependent not just on where sound is coming from, but how it reflects within our own ears right and yeah. so and so it, yeah so you might not get you'll get a, a very strange sense of space if it's coming from behind your ears here but really right. for surround sound to work it, it needs to exist within a space if you know what i mean it, it right. needs the, the the reverberation of the room and, and the and reflections the fact that you, yeah that's right so what, what your head is moving around naturally when you're uh, you know just being alive i suppose um and that gives you a sense of space as well which i I just don't think Mm. you can get from headphones that's um, what that wave nx
2: well that wave nx sort of takes into account that with the head tracking as your head moves around the the the, the speakers stay in the same place and it is a pretty profound experience and uh in the you know i've had things in the past like the vrm box which focus right thing but you know if you moved your head around you moved the whole sat the whole room around as you moved your head but with these head tracking things you know you move your head around and it really does give you the sense of space it's quite it's quite interesting wow. and it did make me wonder as this conversation was progressing whether uh, now that Audis have released those headphones they're around they're less than 400 pounds so it makes me wonder whether that that technology you know like like I guess a bluetooth head tracking thing is probably quite reasonably cheap technology to implement these days compared to previously so i wonder if we will get another wave of surround sound headphones coming out with this you know maybe waves will license it to sort of more consumer level um (laughs) but i was going to say is it this is it mobius is it the audis
0: mobius yeah that's it
2: that's it audis audis and i mean it's interesting that they're marketing them very, very much towards like the kind of gamer market. Yeah, there. I suppose that's yeah. realistic because really? they, yeah. the the
0: three D render of audio is something that you know. The, mm. but do you do you think it's perhaps more fun to make than it is to listen to? <laughs>
3: <laughs> I think that covers <laughs> most music, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, Maybe I, I I I think there's a there is an aspect of I'll um, oh, pardon the phrase, but boys with toys with this i i I do to an extent i think we're living in a time where music for consumers is about convenience over uh audio quality yeah i think yeah and i think that the the leap that is required to go from two speakers to four uh, um i just i don't see well i actually don't know anyone who's done it Quite it's frankly, yeah, it's that, a lot of that, that's, well, it's
0: that's and it's a, it, it, it is a lot of hassle to do. I suppose what we need is is surround sound wireless systems that are really easy to set up. So you're just going to go one there, one there, one there, one there, and that's it, and you're done. But then you yeah. get a latency, and it's all becomes yeah. a little bit
3: less. But um, there is but there is one one thing that I don't think anyone's mentioned uh, so far, which is that um, we most of us have got two ears, and we're we're really well served by stereo. I think this yeah. is why it's survived for for so long, mm. and. If, if there was if there was somehow some way of um uh, matching the convenience of uh the, of stereo and getting the immersive experience of surround sound in some way then that would be an incredible thing i i at this point in time i think it's
1: all about convenience yeah um just on that point of of convenience as well one of the, i think one of the easiest things to do for stereo if you do want to get some of this kind of um spatialization within a stereo mix is re-recording stuff out using a binaural dummy head. I've done that before, whether it might be some percussion elements and they can suddenly be appear like they're playing behind you. I've certainly heard it on some of the new records. Um, John Hopkins latest album, for example, has got some binaural stuff going on in there. The first time I heard it, I was on a train and I was convinced there was someone behind me clattering <laughs> about and I had to turn around and, then you only realise, oh, this is actually embedded in the recording. So, binaural is really good. There's um, there's a great clip on YouTube. It, uh, people should go check this out after after the podcast. But uh, it's called the um, uh, what is it called? The demon barber or something? It's someone cutting your hair with a pair of scissors recorded in binaural and it's it's as though they are right by your ears and it feels like they're going to take your ears off with the scissors it's oh
0: that's not sure, that sounds like horror doesn't it yeah <laughs> it anyway um, i do check out Ooh, luke yes, pop's, so luke pop's uh, uh video it's a great <laughs> one and but and some of the questions he brings up I and mean, he's his stuff is really good and uh i think you know i mean i don't think he needs any assistance he's doing great uh in terms of uh, views and stuff but he does make great stuff so well worth watching yeah. Um, okay, let's have a look. Oh, yeah, this was the other bit of news. Did you see this? The uh, Dave Smith rebrands as sequential, which is a kind of weird <coughs> twist, isn't it? I-, I wonder about this. It's an interesting ah. concept, isn't it? So not sequential circuits, sequential. So uh, apparently mm. it coincides with the 40th anniversary of the Prophet 5, and the original uh, Sequential circuit Inc. was uh, formed in uh, 1974, in fact. So, yeah, it's quite an interesting idea. Um that they're going to rebrand and always a tricky business, but I suppose most people would kind of maybe associate Dave Smith with that other brand. And and perhaps it's also, I wonder if it's a sort of distance of like, you know, I don't know how Dave, how old Dave is, but he must be getting older, maybe thinking, actually I want to step Mm -hmm. back from this and it not be tied to just my name as well. I think there's probably a couple of things about this.
3: Yeah. Um, Yeah. That is actually uh, what I was going to mention that it's, it's very difficult to retire if your company has your name in the name if you know what i mean so like uh, i don't know how old dave smith is but I, i'm sure he's thinking of retiring and so dave smith's in- insurance without dave smith it's just not the same thing uh, I also think actually sequential is a uh, it's a cooler name, and one thing that's for certain is that it's a cooler font. If you go back to that uh, photograph that we had, um, for those of you out there in the world who are uh, font nerds like me, that font they use there is called Stop. And it's uh, – I think it's available for free on the internet now. But it was re- it was around in the uh, late 70s and early 80s, and I was obsessed with it. So beyond uh, the ability mm-hmm. for Dave to retire, um, it's good to see that thing uh, coming up. There is just <laughs> – <laughs> you know, I may at the sun's gate to me now. There is just one other thing that I'd, I'd like to mention about this. Um, it's often uh, advice that's given to uh, new entrepreneurs or people starting out their company that the thing that you don't want is your name – above the door and the reason is that if it's your name above the door you firstly you can't sell uh because you'd have to sell yourself as well which is defeats the project of selling your company but also you 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 can never walk away in any way shape or form it it's dependent on you being there yeah and i mentioned yeah and i mentioned this to young musicians as well that if you start your career using your own name you in terms of branding you've got nowhere to go it's just you, Steve Hillier, you know, whereas if you started um, as a, a brand name or some sort of project name, you can always pull your own name out later, if required. If you think of Björk, she had the sugar cubes, then she became Björk. Um, but if you if she had started with Björk, which actually thinking about that's a bad example, because she did at the age of 12. If you started with your own Christian name, mm-hmm. it's very hard to rebrand from your name. So I would just for the younger musicians who are listening here are thinking about this kind of things, I've just avoid using your own name, just like Dave Smith is doing here.
0: Yeah, well, it's also interesting because there was a whole slew. I mean, Tom Oberheim, uh, Robert Moog, you know, all people who used their names for their companies and got into all sorts of horrible sort of commercial, yeah. you know, mess and, and uh, unpleasantness where people bought the assets of the company when perhaps it was failing, you know, in lean years, and they end up in these sort of ridiculous situations where they don't have the rights to use their own names, which is kind of. Uh, it's never a, never a good place to go, but yeah, yeah. I think. so What do you think, Gaz? Sequential. It looks cooler on the back of a keyboard. That and Dave Smith Instruments is oh, written definitely. in sort of comic sans, which I think is not so great.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah. No. Definitely. And uh, I didn't know that 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 font is called. What did you say? It's called stop. Stop. The Stopped. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Um, Yeah. Great. I mean, it's. I, it. it it, I think you're absolutely right, though. I mean, I do feel that he's probably he does. I think he quotes, doesn't he, in that article that he that he feels that that the name puts too much emphasis on him, and and he's working with a team of people, and he wants the name to be more reflective of it being a team effort, as well. Um, which I guess it, it, you know, I'm sure it is. Um, but it. it I think it was quite a nice story as well, wasn't it? The guy from Yamaha. What yeah, well, um, Nicky. T- I've got it. Um,
0: well, Roland, Roland's founder, um, Katahashi, Kakahashi, uh, um sort of because Yamaha ended up owning it, and they didn't do anything with it. And I think right. Roland. Roland, uh, 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 was founder, before, one of the things that he did before he stepped down was kind of, he said uh, he, he wanted to return the sequential name to Dave Smith in a gesture of goodwill. And it said, uh, there's a quote here, once Kakashi San and Yamaha enabled us to reacquire the sequential name, I knew we'd fully adopt it again when the time was right. And that time, at right, at, uh, it, it's a very unusual um, act of mm. benevolence in the world of corporate business, though, isn't it? It is. <laughs> it, is.
2: it is. But... And I wondered whether whether that was in part because of the terrific amount of influence Dave had on the, you know, on the creation of MIDI in the very first place. Really, it just seems sort of, a, it seems like a very respectful, honourable thing. Uh, yeah, lovely. Think's a good story, and uh, I hope sequential flourish. Why? I, I, I mean, it probably makes sense to leave it as, without the circuits bit. Um, although, I sort of missed yeah, the circuits. Bit yeah, SCI that's, that's, that ink. Quite
0: cool. You know, I suppose so. Sequential ink. <laughs> I don't know, uh, yeah, mm. look, but yes, uh, Matthew, looks good, Looks better on the back of a keyboard, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I remember when Dave came back on the scene and he launched, I think it was the Evolver was his first product launch when he came back out and Dave Smith's instruments. And um, I, at that point, I thought, hang on a minute, why isn't this sequential? What's going on here? And then, of course, there was, there was the whole thing with name. But sequential is a really cool name, actually. I just had a quick Google... Um, just to see if anyone was putting out music under that name, and there there is indeed. There's a there's a band called Sequential. That's a great name, I think, for for a group. And um, t- spot on what Steve was saying there about, you know, picking a name. Um, something beyond your name. Something I, that I was, I've recently been going through. I had to, I had to decide whether to go with my own name, just on new releases that are coming out on Fat Cat, or whether um, whether to change it completely. And, you know, I spent a good week sat at the kitchen table pretty much scribbling down names. and I couldn't think of anything in the end. <laughs> and I realized that I'd already had, you know, some I had I've got some a bit of YouTube going on and I've already got some releases under my old name. And I've got releases out on previous names as well. Um, weirder names. So I just kind of went with it in the end. I got so fed up of thinking about a name. I just went with my own name in the end. Yeah,
0: it, it, it's funny that, the, the idea of naming things. I mean, when I did uh, the yeah. EP that I released in uh, July or whatever, yeah. I just thought, I'm going to do it today because I was thinking I'd get more tracks together. And then I just, on the day, I just went, oh, sod it, I'm going to do it now. And I so I literally, just the first thing that came into my, na- into my head for a name, I did that. And then I just... You know, did some artwork, and that was it. And I like the, I, yeah. I, I like, you know, I didn't, I didn't think about it very much. And sometimes maybe instinctive stuff. It's got a better fairy tale story about it, hasn't it? When you do that, I mean, not that I'm in any yeah. way uh, competing in that kind of league, but yeah. There,
3: there is um, something else that I, I just want to mention to everybody here to, to bear in mind. This is something that's uh, affected me recently. I, I don't want to talk about my own story here, but if you're starting to get somewhere with your music. You should trademark your name, or to be more specific, you should register your name as a trademark. Uh, what that means is, is that you, if, you've, if you've got you know, a certain amount of activity on social media, whatever, you can make an argument that your band name belongs to you. However, it's not the same as registering it. Uh, And so it's a process. It costs money. But what it means is nobody else for a period of time, it's 10 years, I think, uh, it might be 20, but I think it's 10, at least in the UK. Um, Nobody else can use that name. And that could be really important if you've spent a lot of time putting, you know, marketing out there, doing your social media, putting out tunes. Just consider uh, sorting out a trademark. It's something that anybody could do just online, essentially, but it does cost money.
0: Don't you have to do that per territory, though? And that's when it gets costly. Is that? Yeah.
3: Uh, yeah, you have to do it. I, I must admit, for I don't know. total protection, no, yes. yeah, You need to, you need to, you can do a protection for the UK on its own. You can do a protection for the EU. You can do a protection for the US. Um, and there's a few treaties that enable them to be uh, sort of streamed out, if you know what I mean, to other territories it does cost money i would recommend don't worry about the far east because they don't worry about copyright <laughs> so you shouldn't either but if but if you um if you're intending to do work in the us or in the you know like place like australia or new zealand and certainly in europe get, register the trademark at that right. point when you're doing well enough to justify it so
0: yeah no it's good i i seem to remember looking into that and I, I, if it's registered trademark registration it might have been a patent. I can't remember. It was like six hundred quid a territory, which seems is a lot of money. Maybe it's different. in, it's, in for that, yeah, I,
3: I can I can tell you it costs about two hundred pounds for the UK, and it's oh, right, similar okay. for the e, EU wide. Um, I th- I've patents. I don't really have any. Yeah, any no, that's different, more. isn't
0: it? Yeah, that is different. Yeah, it is. I was getting them messed up. Messed up. Uh, Anyway, uh, so uh, yes, Dave Smith is now sequential, and that's all jolly good news. I'm just going to interject with uh, a little message from Isotope. This is, of course, VocalSynth 2, which is uh, Isotope's brilliant new uh, vocal processing suite, uh, Biovox, which vocal tract modelling... Uh, vocoder new improved bands new GUI new effects talkbox lots of things lots of harmonisation pitch correction uh, like I say vocal track it's really nifty thing that you can do with vocals where you can take it to if, if the OO or the E isn't pronounced enough you can nudge it even more in that direction so it becomes clearer uh, if you want to check out uh, Isotope's Vocal Synth 2 which has got all new effects and the effects are reorderable great thing for process you can also have MIDI input for vocoder bands lots of great stuff isotope.com slash vocal synth and uh, you get the usual ten day free demo uh, and it 's well worth checking out there 's lots of other stuff going on on the uh, website for tutorials and things and uh, we 've got a competition um, for this week we 're looking for the hashtag textural vocals and the hashtag VocalSynth2 this is a Twitter competition so the hashtag TexturalVocals one word and the hashtag VocalSynth2 to at SonicState and at Isotope. enter that into a Twitter tweet and uh, we will be able to collect them all at the end of the week and uh, pick a winner from all the entries and we thank you uh, for for sponsoring the prize this week Isotope, very much appreciated and we have a winner from last week's show last week's show uh, is uh, from somebody called at CF Salvo uh, another week another try and uh, they actually got picked so sometimes uh, bizarrely it works out like that i always when i'm counting them up i think oh it'd be great if that one won but i always do a random number generator so i saw this one and i thought i wonder if that gets it it would be quite poetic and they did Uh, another week another try uh from cf salvo so at cf salvo if you're um listening or watching then do get in touch and we'll get them to uh our friends at isotope to pass on a copy of vocal synth for you Okay, what's next? Oh yeah, some new. uh, Well, no, let's go. uh, Hold on, let's let's maybe get this one. Uh, Oh yeah, I like the look of this. Right, this is a new Kickstarter that's just happening.
1: We are the SMEM. This is the Swiss Museum and Center for Electronic Music Instruments in Fribourg, Switzerland. We are here at our warehouse in the old beer factory, and as you can see, just a few cents. Wonderful and rare instruments, covering more than seventy years of sonic innovation. You will find around a thousand synthesizer and more than five thousand other objects. FX, microphones, organs, tape echoes, drum machines and toys you've probably never heard of. We are a living archive. We want these instruments to be played and heard, so we decided to create the playroom
0: we'll... So uh I won't play the whole video, uh, but the playroom is essentially a kind of a sub studio of this uh, Swiss Swiss, uh, museum, which they'll have sort of 50 things in that you can book time in. you can go in, you can use it, you can just play with them, you can record it, you can film, and they'll change it over every sort of month. So you get a completely new set of instruments in there from their massive thousand uh, instruments. And the thing that really kind of blew my mind is that that photo there, which has been doing the rounds on various things, and that is, I, th- I guess, one row of the synths they have. If this is the warehouse that they would be taking these uh, from, and it just looks like such a great idea, and it's in Freiburg, in uh, which is in Switzerland. Uh, and I'm just trying to remember what uh, the, the the this has all started with uh, a guy called Clemens Nikolaus Trenkel, who for more than thirty five years collected synthesizers, keyboards, organs, studio effects, and and basically donated them to uh this facility and now there are obviously lots of curators i mean who wouldn't want to be involved in uh in, in that probably and i just think a what a great idea if i can find the kickstarter what they're, they're doing this really good idea so what they're doing is you know you pet you 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 pledge certain amounts, and some are just T-shirts and some things, but some get you kind of like four days in the room with your synth. Or, (laughs) you know, do you know what I mean? You get all this time that you could spend. So, I mean, you could actually... It's going to have recording facilities and whatnot. It just seems like... It's like a dream... A dream thing if you've got the time and i imagine there's lots of people who are involved in the, the industry that we are It's sort of it's spoken with reverence tones and hushed tones that, that have you been there and i know there's a, probably a few people have been have you ever heard of this place steve i mean it seems like a kind of uh, no. yeah playground is is
3: too small a word to use no it, it does sound it it looks absolutely extraordinary i remember uh, a few years ago going around to the guy who uh, Services MySynth's house, and he had four Profit 5s on the side. He had a a Jupiter 8, just a whole room full of synthesizers. And and I was talking about that for days. This is a man in his 40s. And uh, so looking at this thing, it, it, it looks absolutely extraordinary. And then I was thinking, okay, so what would actually happen if I went in there? And I think I would be just overwhelmed by choice. Overwhelm yeah. my choice. It would be it would be lovely to look at these things, but I ultimately don't know what I would do. And it reminded me of something um, that I had to do a few few years ago, which was to essentially reduce the amount of instruments that I work with. What I wanted to concentrate on was one or two, and know them—the the instruments I know really well—and get the best I can from those. Because I was realizing that in order to compete in the modern music environment, your Uh, efficiency has to be really high. Your turnover of music has to be exceptionally fast. And what I didn't want to do is to be, you know, stuck with a thousand different choices. So what I did uh, for a project that's going to be uh, coming out, hopefully in October, I keep saying that, but whatever, um, was reduce my amount of synths down to two, which was uh, a Korg Monopoly, which I've had since I was a child, and a Yamaha DX100, which I've had since I was a teenager, and work with that. And it's been liberating. So not to take anything away from these guys, because I'm definitely going to go there. Right? But in terms of making music, for me, it really is less is more. Um, so I'm going to go there and take photos and uh, do the music making when I get home.
0: Okay, well, I had a question. One of the questions was, uh, which which synth do you think you would, gravi- would you'd want to go to first, given the choice? Assuming, I mean, I, I, the one thing I also think is, so you go to this place, everybody's, you know, presumably there are curators and stuff, and then suddenly, you know, it's like, okay, here it is, and then y- there's a massive performance pressure, isn't there? Right, now I've got to do something that I'm not embarrassed about in front of all of these kind of people who've <laughs> seen it all, knows that they know, maybe know a lot about mm-hmm. these instruments, and it would just be, it could be terminally, it could actually yeah. crush you creatively and quite you, easily. And
3: you know that you know that every single person who works in that is watching you, waiting for you to go straight to the filter. filter cut. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and they'll have bets. They'll have bets. And it'll be in Swiss francs. And, uh, and they'll make a fortune whilst you look like an idiot. The, um, the synthesizer I'll go for, I'd like to look at um, an original ARP Odyssey with the Moog-style filter. Uh, I've, I've got an original Odyssey, but it's a Mark III. And I, I love it. Um, but I've, I've never tried one of the originals. I'd like to do that.
0: That's a good one. Right, Steve, will you be making a pilgrimage to Switzerland the next time you're in Europe?
1: Oh, me. sorry Uh, matt matt sorry yeah. yeah i'll certainly be going there i think i think we should say big thank you to these people really i'm so glad that someone's gone and done this i think this is an important thing um and and now it's done i can kind of sleep better at night knowing that it's happening as well um you know for someone to take this on I, I was listening to a podcast the other day where where someone was talking about this very thing and I thought that would be such a great idea if if somebody did this. And hey, presto, there it is. So happy days. Um, would I go there? Absolutely. What would I do when I get there? I, I think for me, I one of the things on the, uh, the Kickstarter is the Artist Residency, uh, which is, I think, 1,800... Pounds to do four days artist residency there and that that's what i'd go and do i'd spend four days i would probably do every single hour i'd eat there i'd sleep there and i would just be pulling all stuff sorts of stuff out and just try yeah there we go create an album essentially and be inspired by by the various bits and bits of equipment that i'm using um you also stuck. you
0: also get help with hotel accommodations and get shown around your fa- uh, their favorite places in Freiburg. So yeah, that sounds that sounds that's like great. a deal, doesn't it? What what that would be a kind of uh, a city, darling? We're going on a city break <laughs> yeah. to Freiburg. I know. I so <laughs> well, that's what I was
2: just going to say. How many yeah. people are going to be saying that? Going, yeah. Ooh, I've always fancied Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> <Freiburg looks> nice. <laughs> when you get there, oh, guess what? I found car. <laughs> yeah, but um. It's cool, isn't it? It's very cool. It does really remind me cool. a little bit of, um, oh, it's not there anymore, but Emis in Bristol, the upstairs, the hallowed upstairs in Emis. Did you ever go there? Oh, Nick?
0: yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah.
2: Once. It's not. He's moved there. He's moved from, It was. It was an old schoolhouse, and upstairs, it was just. It wasn't open to the public, but you had to kind of get. You know, you had to apply for permission to go up and have a look there, and there, there was loads of stuff up there. I mean, not on this scale, but um, yeah, God, this looks fun. Um, someone just beat me to it in the chat room, though, uh, about what I would pick, and assuming that they had one there, is a, and it's actually not a vintage synth. It's a newish synth, but the the. Niphonium, Like like niphonium Or whatever it's called Do you remember that oh, thing? I, that all valve Oh It's amazing knif-onium. And it's still Possibly my favourite Synth demo I've ever heard Actually It's fantastic It's that really Kind of weirdy looking uh, It's all valves And uh, uh, little Kind of weird I'm joystick i This C- doesn't knif-onium. look like it.
0: K-nif-onium. knifonium Yeah Nif-fonium. I'm just trying to find I've got it here But yeah. uh, what is oh, Is that it? That's it Oh look I, Yeah
1: Oh, so a funky word. Like PS thirty three
3: hundred.
2: PS thirty three hundred, yeah. 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 Uh, but I mean I think it's about about it's about ten thousand quid, I think, to buy. It's not, you know, it's, well, it's it's one of those things. If I ever became stupidly rich for some crazy reason that's what I would get. That is definitely my dream synth. That thing. I'm just. Uh, well, yeah. So I wonder. So wonder if I, I, got I wonder one if here. they've
0: got one. I don't know. Well, they've got loads yeah. of stretch goals in the Kickstarter, which means they would buy more instruments to kind of you know if they if they raise <laughs> what they're looking to raise. They're not. It's not an incredible amount of money. It's they're looking About to raise. What was it? What is it? Uh, Thirty-eight grand. And uh, they've got they've got about uh, just under about a third of the way there, I think. So, and they've still got 28 days to go. So, I mean, I I think I was going to put uh, the the, are they
2: running it as a as a business or as a charity?
0: Um, I would imagine it would be, well, I mean, Swiss are fairly canny when it comes to money, so I'd probably whichever makes the most <laughs> financial sense,
1: I would imagine.
0: I mean, yeah, that's a generalisation, but, uh, you know, let's not forget there are a number of banks in Switzerland that uh, would probably advise them on which was the best way to go, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm just trying to think what I would go for, actually. I can't, I, can't, I quite like to, I think, hmm, yeah, that's a difficult, I'm going to have to think about that a bit more. So you go for the niphonium then, would you?
1: Yep. Definitely. I'd, I think I'd yeah. go with something without keys because I'm not a keys player. So something, I don't know, like a, um, a VCS3 or something like that. Anything without keys on it and maybe an, a really interesting sequencer within it. Um, that's what I'd probably pull out. Straight yeah,
0: I, I, I'm i just trying to think what I would go for. I can't, I can't really think of anything that I really want to get my hands... I mean, I really enjoy playing a CS80, but I mean, I suppose, you know, you could still... I mean, Dave's got one yeah. of those. I mean, Dave's not got a synth museum, but he's got a synth studio, which has yeah. got... I don't know how many synths they've got in it. It's mm-hmm. nothing approaching that number. But I mean, it's a similar experience, and, and they have people showing up who kind of play on that at, at their place as well. So I suppose it's similar. I I can't think what I'm gravitating towards, really. Mm, You're a great a, player,
2: though. It was, Yamaha you know. PSS. Sorry. Uh,
0: Yamaha yeah, PSS. Gonna... <laughs> yeah. SK1. <laughs> so
2: uh,
0: <laughs> a, a Casio SK1, maybe. Yeah, I'm not sure.
2: I wonder yeah, if they they've have got to a have guitar. They have to have one there. They have to have, have, to have a, an SK1. It is a very, very historical and important instrument. So well, that's true. I mean, yeah, that, that,
0: yeah. I, I would agree with you. They they might well do. I know and actually, a Yamaha a CGX. I've got a DJX actually and I played it the, yeah, I did play the, the uh, although the problem I've got is my uh, there's something wrong with one of the sensors so every time you spin the wheel it resets and just reboots and and kills
2: the uh, pattern oh god yeah we used to use one in the band and like uh, there was a horrible like it in its default thing is if you turn it off and turn it back on it goes da, dah, 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 dah. you probably recognize that with the djx dah, 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 dah. it goes it's it like it kind of defaults into like a kind of auto accompany sort of thing and it's when good though we do a
3: gig,
2: I, I... Well, we did a gig once and the power came out and it plugged back on and suddenly it started doing that in the middle of the song dah, 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 dah. so the guitarist keyboard player in my band, he booted the keyboard on the DJX, he booted it off the stage with it flying off the stage, landed like knobs and keys da- down on the dance floor and it um, was absolutely fine. <laughs> that is built,
0: surprising. Built like,
2: mean, built, like built, built, built like a toy. But to, well, um, built like a toy. Well, I've got the one which is
0: just the box. I mean, I remember um, I when, uh. I, I try to remember, I think it was Black Cherry, Gold Flat Black Cherry. I sampled all of the drum sounds. There are lots of drum sounds in there, actually. And we used quite a lot of those. <laughs> I haven't told anybody Whoa, that.
2: confession. <laughs> well, I,
0: I, oh. I, I, I used quite a lot of them. I don't think the they were DJX. They, weren't, they weren't choices, but they weren't sort of choices made by them. It was choices made by me when I was doing the beats. I know, but it's a great idea, <laughs> and I think but, uh, it, it's well worth supporting. But, Nick,
1: do they, do they have a keytar in there? I, they the have best.
0: to have at least one.
1: They've got to, mm. otherwise the place has got to be closed straight away.
0: You could use that, that. That's a very Swiss-looking one. You could use that for churning butter I, as well. By I'd the actually
1: donate this to them. If I go over there, I'm going to donate this to them. They can have this. <laughs> nice. For what it's that,
0: worth, yeah. No, I think that if they haven't got one, they should probably have them. And <laughs> yeah. we did do a thing about ketars, didn't we, a few weeks ago? And it was, the, the, it, 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 I, somebody contacted me. I forget the details of it. Somebody contacted me. People got really upset. of these various ketar groups on Facebook. They got really upset that we were sort of dissing <laughs> the notion oh, no. of ketar. And it was kind of like, oh well, I you had, know, it
2: wasn't. I had people getting in touch with me to 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 thank me for sticking up for the ketar as well. So yes, ketar. <laughs> <Guitar. laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. I know, mm. Steve, you've succumbed you've succumbed to the uh you've succumbed to the sun there. You're looking a bit FBI oh, now.
3: Well, I was sort of thinking um, earlier on, if I start just laughing to myself, it's probably because I'm getting exposure. So I, I looked at the um, the stream, uh, the live chat on YouTube, and a few people were saying, oh, Steve's going a bit red. And Steve's talking about taking pictures in this place rather than playing the things. That... Yeah, maybe I am. There is something wrong here. So now here's my hat.
0: The wind's picking up, I guess that must be. What's the name of the local wind there? I like to I like to find out about the local winds in uh, various areas. What's it called? Is it the Mistral? Oh, or I, the
3: I... What uh, are those? Oh, oh God, i'm afraid i don't know ah. I'm a typical Brit round here i i, I, um, I only I only speak in uh, English and, and fake Russian, so. That,
0: oh, okay. Well, that was that. That was actually came up with a pub quiz that I came up with. Is how many wins can you name? You know, name ten wins. It's quite quite difficult. Ooh. But Anyway, that's really got Gosh. nothing to do with podcasts whatsoever. Um, anyway, the playroom sounds really cool, and it looks like they're going to make their uh, Kickstarter. I do. I certainly hope so. Mm. And uh, if we can, yeah. you know, pull any more people in in uh, in their direction, then you know go for it because I think it's a very worthy thing that I am, I mean, you would worry about having a place like that what the, you know, it, what the insurance would be and having them all in one place oh, yes. is quite scary isn't it? Cause you know, the, um, so the risk. part
2: Part of the budget, part of the budget should go on. Part of the budget should go on, sort of not letting Deep Purple go and record there. I think they've got (laughs) a bad, bad bad history of of recording in. Uh, Well, it's um, not at least it's
0: not based on the Lake Geneva shoreline, anyway, is it? That's the uh, that's the main (laughs) thing.
3: (laughs) The, just a, just for a couple of observations before we move on. It really reminds me of uh, Svalbard. Have you guys heard of that place? It's um, it's a seed bank that's up uh, way beyond the oh, Arctic yeah, Circle. We'll I think go, it's uh, Norwegian circle, yeah. or Swedish. Yeah, that's right. It, look, it reminds me of that. And being in uh, Switzerland, it might survive a nuclear war, which would be nice, um, just like the seeds in <laughs> Svalbard. The other th- the other thing is, um, I, I wonder how long it will be before we get a set of sample libraries coming from this place. Mm. well that imagine, would make sense it, it would wouldn't it just imagine if there was a sample library that covered every instrument in that place and it was yeah. sold in wow. swiss francs
1: yeah it could I certainly if, help I, keep the place going
0: i wonder if that yeah. would be covered mm. in if you could do an artist residence and basically just sample all of them whether that's a different deal you'd have to do i think we'd have to you'd probably have to talk to the bankers they, they'd be in, in charge of that sort <laughs> of particular thing there
1: i think we should do a sonic state uh, weekend trip out there Oh, that would yeah. be fun, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that Let's be fun? What yeah. a
2: great idea!
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. stretch yeah.
2: goal. <laughs> well,
0: I'll tell you what. When we've got enough sponsors for the podcast to to fund it, we will absolutely. Maybe we should do it as a Kickstarter, our own
1: Kickstarter. Send way, us yeah. all out. Send
0: us all out to Switzerland for a laugh. <laughs> 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 Excellent, yeah. And I, then I, oh, I,
1: back to Steve's place out there for us. Yeah, a laugh. that
0: sounds perfect. We did We'll it's, do the show right there. Yeah, that's right by all means. That's a great, bye, that's bye a, great idea. Meat. What a great idea yeah i'm i'm hundred percent behind mm-hmm. you on that one um, um okay there were a cup there was one other thing which was uh, new, new um new, orchest- not new orchestra not new oscillators for the uh prologue do you remember there was this uh in fact, I oh, think I've got yes. one somewhere. There was the deve- development board that was uh, given out to a load of developers at Superbooth, which was basically a single oscillator, the digital oscillator for the uh, Korg Prologue. And uh, the idea being that they would encourage developers to do their own oscillators. And I did, there were a couple here. Uh, let me see if I've got some, some sounds. This one is, I think, uh, is this Blinds? Yeah, this is Blinds. So this is uh, uh, by a chap called. Um, Hold on, I've got an Edward Digital. It's a versatile two-mode oscillator uh, with Meta PWM engine. Obviously, great interest to me. Uh, and 101 waveforms. You can get it for 39 euros, and you just load it in. It gives you an additional, an additional one. Uh, and there's a, there's also this one, which is uh, super. This is multiple waves. Uh, FM Monster, Organism, and Super Wave. Uh, 20 quid each, and the other ones uh, 39 euros. 40 a bundle all each and you can just load them into your you can load them into your Prolog and you've essentially got like this sort of additional synthesis engine which is a really neat idea because they opened it up as this sort of open sourced It's not what it wasn't quite open source, was it you had to have the dev board but the dev board is sort of next to nothing and I think uh, you have to follow so you know it gets included in firmware updates and then you can load it in via the uh, software editor that Prolog de- develop. I just wonder how many more of these sort of things would go on because it's it's quite a democratic concept in many ways um anybody yeah. uh care to... Has anyone, tried to- a pro- has anyone tried a prologue? Whoops.
1: I haven't tried a prologue, but we did we did kind of touch on this sort of last week when we was talking about this democracy on uh, um, of uh I think it was Raspberry Pi's, wasn't it? And mm. being able to put your own things into that and make it what you want from it. Um so I guess there's some of that going on here. And this also um I was going to say this sort of reminds me of like the Nord concept back in the day, where you could you could do a lot of that within that. It was like the first sort of modular in, um, uh, synthesizer made out of software, wasn't it? And you could you could change all your waveforms, and you could I think you could create your own. And then um, I was first made really aware of this when I was talking about the DSI, the Dave Smith Evolver, and that came with a waveform editor, um, and you could chuck your own waveforms into. And that was a way of doing that so i'm um, I'm really glad to see this this sort of thing happening again and um so you 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 guys have made some as well, which sound really great
0: uh
1: sorry uh you I think you guys have made some as well haven't you so
0: uh well we made some max for live uh max for live synths,
1: uh, ah, some, yes, Ableton racks, right.
0: but not uh, the the thing about this board is it's I think it was. It served two purposes. I think obviously one of the reasons was because it has to be done in C plus You know, it's a proper sort of DSP coding uh, scenario. Mm. And mm. I think you know part of it was perhaps you know for Core to you know just see who's out there doing really cl- smart things. And it might be that they would then mm. maybe want to work with these people if they came up with some really interesting concepts. I mean, that could be a possibility as well. I don't know, Steve. What mm. do you th- Have you tried a prologue? And I we were we were supposed to get know. one for review, and they just never sent it. And they said it was yeah. two months ago. And I never, it just never arrived. So,
3: um, I've been a lifelong fan of Core products, uh, and no, but on this occasion, no, I haven't tried a Prolog. I do like this concept, though. Um, the idea that you can, you know, get in and and program extra software for existing hardware, I think, is a, a great idea. So, I fully support that. However, um, although I've, it's been a long time since I've done any coding. I, I think that anyone who is doing coding for this needs to read the, the terms uh, carefully. I think it's kind of important that if you're making software that goes into a proprietary piece of hardware, wh- who owns that software?
0: No, you sell the code yourself. You, these are oh, okay. third party. You can buy them from those people. It's not via Korg.
3: Terrific. Terrific. Well, that's really good. That was my only concern, and it was nothing to do with Korg. It's just simply my mm. own ignorance sound' I'm really uh, mentioning. But there is a big thing. I'd like to mention something that I really like about this concept, which is that I'm so glad that after what seems like my like 40 years, that we're not still focusing on the quality of filters in DSP. I do feel like we've we've cracked it. Do you know what I mean? I feel that the digital um, uh, filters that we have now they sound really good, and it seems like it's the sound uh, generation that we need to turn our attentions to. And so this is a great move forward. As I think everybody who watches this knows, I'm a big fan of the uh, Extra Record Serum, where they seem to have put a lot of their uh, focus on uh, great sounding oscillators and the ability to create your own uh, wavetables within that software. So I think this is a, a, a great way forward. And uh, maybe I should get back into C++. It's been a long time. Did you use the code? Have you done that? I've I've never done that. Yeah, uh, where where I started off in music was uh, I used to write uh, Z80 uh, code. Uh, which was absolutely—that's well, I mean, one and zero, thing. is
0: practically, isn't it? That's
3: like machine well, code. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. yeah, but that—that's that, exactly what it was. And, and that—that's—I um, mean, I—I I had a lot of time by myself in my childhood. Clearly, um, I just bought myself an instruction manual and worked out how to do it. But that was a really long time ago. Um, and then I got into uh, HTML and C plus plus and, and the, the few sort of scripting languages. But then, you know girls came along and so did the music career and I kind of stopped doing that uh yeah I should get back into it basically right, and girls
2: I, I,
0: <laughs> I haven't uh yeah. I, I, I've never done C++ stuff yeah
2: guys. the, the bl- blinds though when I was reading about it I was thinking god this sounds like Dove Audio's WOTF Oscillator and then it goes on to sort of say it y- yeah it seemed yeah. I mean and, I, and it did kind of pose an interest in kind of issue there that um I mean I don't even know if the Dove Audio is shipping yet. I mean that was just a just a fairly recently completed Kickstarter campaign a very innovative uh I mean Eurorack uh of it Eurorack module of this idea of having two waveforms that you can es- essentially um window create a window between one to the other and 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 Blinds goes on to pretty much use exactly the same method i think even yeah. says is inspired by it um yeah. uh and i just kind of thought ooh, is that a little bit too soon is that a little bit immoral to to take someone's idea and to then copy it and then sell it yeah, you know window
1: trust. Seen that concept before have we really before that came out with jove
0: do, yeah, I so know. I don't know. Like... I didn't. Yeah, no, I've just seen that it was it was first introduced uh, in modular mm. equipment by Dove with their window transform function module.
2: Yeah, so no, it, just of, it just kind of seems a little bit too soon. Yeah, no, I, I suppose a bit, so. I mean, I, I don't know how the law or the kind of copyright or anything <laughs> works. I mean, because I guess they are essentially different. People maybe who own a prologue wouldn't necessarily be the same person to own a EuroRack. Yeah, well, but I guess true. a certain amount will. Who knows? But it did seem just a little bit dodgy.
0: Yeah, no, I hadn't mm. thought about that. I didn't. Re- I did look at it and I thought, oh, that's similar. But I didn't. Uh, I obviously sped read that part. But yeah, that's a fair point. Mm. It's a fair point. But I suppose. Uh, I mean. I guess if we take it back to the original point, which is that you know it allows people to experiment with new or like, I don't know how far you could go because it's literally, it's coding. You've got a tiny, mm-hmm. t- something like 256K of, you know, it's it's really small workspace because it's very much sandboxed as a separate thing in the prologue. It's not part of the main synth OS. It, it, it integrates in as its own right. sort of little tiny kind of uh, uh, um, code area, I suppose. But yeah, yeah, you can download them. They're, they're not expensive, and I guess if you've got a prologue uh, and most a lot of people are saying you know that they really dig their prologs, and I, I I think I'm just trying mm. to think if I play I played but well, I haven't played one that much. But uh, yeah, maybe maybe sometime.
1: I wonder how long that transfer takes to load up these these new waveforms. Do you know?
0: No, I don't. But I, I mean, that- I think I don't know if it replaces something that's already in there or whether it yeah. just mm. fills an empty slot. That'd be an interesting thing to know. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it'd be great. I don't know if you would be able to save that then almost like as a preset so you could just jump between these. Yeah, That'd I'm not be sure. Really mm. cool.
3: I mean That's, my my approach yeah.
1: nowadays is I, I, what I have behind me is is pretty much it in terms of synths in here. And they all they've been purchased because they've all all got different waveforms and types of synthesis within them. You know, I've got something, you know, very basic oscillators due to uh, FM craziness. And just so I can literally get a sound quickly from from one or the other. So I guess they're they're offering this ability there and expanding that within the prologue. But I just wonder how quickly and how efficient that is. Yeah, no, I I don't
0: know. I don't know. That's a good Mm. point. I'm not entirely Mm. sure. OK, well, I think that brings us to uh, the end of our topics, at least. So, uh, But before we go, I just wanted to re- uh, reiterate that uh, we've got the uh, NobCon Live blog uh, from NobCon in Chicago next weekend. Uh, uh, Jim Hayward will be uh, posting uh, some video from there and occasional photographs. Uh, and if you're there and you want to post anything and you want us to pick it up, if you give it the hashtag SSNobCon18, not very snappy, but I couldn't really come up with anything else that didn't kind of not happen. Have the information so SS Nobcon 18. If you tag it with that, we'll uh, keep an eye out a search for that. And we may well uh, whack it into the live blog and it will show up on the Sonic State live blog page. Uh, and yeah, and um, that's that's it for this week, I suppose. Yes, <laughs> I'm just trying to think if I had anything more to say. I suppose I did not. Mm. So uh, yeah, I don't know, uh, Gaz, if you've got anything to add I, before we go,
2: I've well, I've been, uh, I mean, Spectrosonic's Omnisphere 2.5 is now officially out, and I've been playing around with my sledge which is, which is something I was really pleased about because uh, <laughs> that was something that Eric promised that he would implement for me and has done with absolutely terrific results and what I've realized which is really special uh, and it's only actually since being able to play with it that I've kind of come to realize this is that um, it's the way they've done it for all the hardware uh, so just to reiterate if anyone doesn't know what they've done the latest, yeah, the the hardware latest synth mappings yeah which is so much more than just simply um like a midi mapping thing it's much more it's deeper embedded into the software but um what's quite interesting is is that for all of the hardware synths that they've um that they've mapped they've essentially created a, a virtual version of that which which we did know about um but i think what's quite interesting is that it like so if if like i'm playing on the sledge and then call up uh, like I did w- with some sub 37 patches, and then suddenly you know you're playing like a sub 37 on the sledge, but it's like playing a, a synth but with the sledge interface. So, uh, as soon as you then um, start playing, well, certain parameters, they yeah, should well, they won't be them. mapped, I suppose, would they? But not all of them would be mapped. Ah, no, no, they still are everything ma- jumps to what the sledge mapping is. So,
1: oh, so it's no
2: patch yeah no matter what patch you call up out the whole of omnisphere as soon as you sort of change a parameter on the sledge you've got the sledge interface for it and it it, it's sort of uh it's really interesting like just turn your sledge into a sub 37 or check tune i was playing with a jupiter 8 as well you know and um but what does happen though is that if you do things like uh, if you change the filter it changes the filter of whatever the patch is but if i was to like change the filter type from a 12 db there's a little switch that'll change it from a 12 db to 24 db or which um high pass band pass, whatever low pass as soon as you press any of those switches then it switches out the uh filter for the ones that they've designated for the sledge mapping so uh And similarly, if I was just to change like the oscillators and went to the the wavetable, or or change the wavetable knob, then I start changing the wavetables as per mapping of the sledge, whereas everything else remains the same as as the patch that you've just loaded in oh interesting so it's a yeah it's really interesting it's sort of like you kind of go okay this is a new paradigm we've not experienced anything like this before as i say a lot of people still kind of think it's just a version of like auto map or something like that it's really not and 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 it's something i've mentioned about before that um because it supports all of the roland boutiques well each one of those boutiques then becomes like a bespoke controller for omni atmosphere and like to go from one boutique to another boutique is and that same sort of thing applies then it's a really interesting uh Mm. i mean i think you can only have it cut you know um it won't jump if you were to sort of be playing on one of the boutiques and then change and then started playing another the boutique it's you'd have to go and change the hardware designation to right yeah yeah okay i see right boutique that it is but uh yeah but i mean for those who haven't experienced it seriously have a look at it because it is uh it's definitely something that uh, well eric said one of the goals was to make omnisphere feel like a hardware instrument and um they certainly achieved that but it also is I mean, in my case, do, using it with the sledge is is it's made the sledge feel like this infinity synth now. In, ah, com, and know, I've in always thought, I always effect. thought,
0: when I remember mm. I reviewed it, I just thought that, it, you know, I always wanted to keep one hanging around because it's just a great synth interface. But yeah, thanks for that. Well, guys. that's
2: what yeah that's why i was saying to eric because eric was going oh the sledge I hadn't really thought about i could yeah look it's got the best it's so huge it's absolutely it's it's almost comically large the yeah the uh the interface but yeah it works really well excellent
0: well thank you very much for that bit of insight so um i think we're probably going to wrap things up now um Matthew, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, I guess term started. um, You said you were going on holiday though, so the students get back, and and is it like those in-service days at the end of the holidays, where all the parents go, (laughs) "How come? How come you have a holiday now? How come we have to have extra time?" But I mean, it's
1: it's not. I'm sure you deserve it. Yeah, they don't actually come back. We don't actually start till October, so Ah, I've got a little while yet. So this is yeah, this gives me a time to take a week out and just kind of reset. I actually come back the day before graduation which we do at the brighton dome so i'll be coming straight back with the hat and gown on and straight onto the stage um with the with the students reading out their names which is a, a, a great day I, I love that day i get to meet all their their family as well and what have you so i've got a couple of days basically in here before i go off on holiday um to play with some new kit i just got a new module came um called the zadar which is this four. You can't really see it, but it's four channels of envelopes, but it's complex envelopes. Uh, uh, you can change all the waveforms, and all oh, right, it's cool, very interesting. So I'm going to have a little play with that before I go away, basically. But uh, right yeah, a few more
0: tracks. Me. You're welcome, Matthew. Yeah. Thanks very much. Yeah. Thanks again, and uh, Steve. Thank you for joining us as well and for risking your, uh, your 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 skin for the sake of the show. It's been much appreciated.
3: <laughs> I have to say, I do feel strange.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, must be, it
3: must be sangria time, surely. I, th- I think so. Um, so. Claire, who's here with me, uh, passed this to me, which I would recommend to anybody who's going on holiday. I don't know if you can see that. Factor, Factor 50. 50. 50. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we we'll put it on at the start of the day.
0: Yeah. I, I must admit, if you want a top tip, I use uh, Ryman P20, which is waterproof. That's ah. really good. And it doesn't come off. And that lasts, uh, I think, eight or ten hours. Uh, and uh, it's not greasy, so you just have to sit around for 20 minutes while it sets or dries or whatever it is. But anyway, Steve, thank you very, very much for fun. joining us. It's been a pleasure, as ever. And for uh, and you can see the sun's starting to come down now, which is uh, the shadows mm-hmm. are creeping longer
3: yeah 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 it's um uh sunset here's about about nine o'clock still which is rather nice so oh, there's lovely. still three hours of uh, daylight here it's nice excellent pleased to hear it
0: and also guys thank you very much for joining us as well um we'll see you again very soon thank you very much
2: my pleasure thank you so much
3: Cheers.
0: okay that's it for this week uh we'll we'll as ever we'll finish with our uh final shot and uh we'll see you all next time thanks very much for watching bye bye now